Welcome to the Mountainland Running Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Heiderscheidt from the University of Wisconsin Sports Medicine. And here with my co-host, Mountainland Physical Therapist, Jeremy Stoker. How are you doing, Jeremy? Great, Brian. It's great to be back. I'm sorry I missed the last one, but uh, I heard it and went well. You guys did great. Well, I'm assuming your travels were worth it and you learned quite a bit in, in Colorado. Absolutely. It was great to further my education there. Uh, we had a scary event on the way there, but uh, we made it and uh, we're home safe. So, Do you need to elaborate on the scary event? or? Oh, I don't know that elaboration is needed, but let's just say a semi in us didn't make it quite well. Uh-oh. Every, <laughs> yeah, everybody's good and safe, though. Everyone's right? safe and we're all okay, all right. thankfully. You know, we really were blessed, but it was a little bit crazy. Wow. Uh, just nice. made the trip interesting, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, very, very my poor kids in the back, though, they were, uh, I think they had a, a good wake up with the, <laughs> the semi, so. I imagine so. Wow. Well, hopefully nothing too traumatizing. All right, Jeremy. Well, uh, today we are joined by our guest, Steve Swanson. Steve is a co-founder of Vima, a sensory training technology company, and the inaugural chair of technology for the 6th IOC World Congress on Sports Science. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're just we're excited to have you here today. I know you've you've uh, you're busy as all get out with all the different companies and and uh, demands on your time. So we really appreciate you taking the this uh, half hour to forty minutes and and be able to share some of your thoughts with us. Oh, absolutely! No, I'm glad to be here. Excited about it. So if you don't mind, I'd like to give our listeners at least a little bit of a, a background on you. Um, so not to embarrass you by any stretch, but first off, Steve and I went to graduate school together about uh, twenty. So, so many years ago, <laughs> somewhere in there, yeah. it's almost 25, it seems, yeah, 20 plus yeah. years ago. And and we've, we've stayed in touch over the years and have worked together quite a bit. So I have to disclose that to our listeners as well. Steve and I are, are good friends, but that does not by any way influence uh, uh, how impressed I am with his accomplishments and what he's done. So again, just a little bit of background. Uh, Steve served as the chief science and technology officer for Athletic Republic. And in doing so, contributed to the development of innovative products, software technology, and training programs that helped over a million youth, collegiate, and professional athletes improve their performance. He also developed and directed the biomechanics lab at the Orthopedic Specialty Hospital in Salt Lake City, Utah. And he went on to found two companies, Treadmetrics and AccuPower Solutions. Both companies developed sports science and research technologies used by the top sports medicine, research, and elite organizations in the world. I can't imagine you've accomplished that much in the short period of time since graduate school. So that is, that's incredibly impressive, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm just going to interject here because as a clinician, you know, these are things that we dream of creating or having to use. And we just think, oh, I would like to be able to do this, this, and this. But putting it together, we just have no idea how. So it's just so nice to have people like you, Steve, who have, you know, put this together and made avenues for us to be able to utilize them in the clinic to help our patients, you know, along these things, like I said, that we dream of, you know, it, it, we, we think of, oh, I'd really love to measure ground reaction for us. So I'd like to see if there's one side that's different than the other. And why are they having this on their right versus their left side, you know, and, and all these things we want to be able to get. And it's just nice to have that, that otherwise it wouldn't come together. So I'm thrilled about this to, to learn more and to have our audience learn more uh, from you today, because it's just, Something, like I said, we all salivate over when we hear about. So thanks for coming. Oh, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. And, 
and um, yeah, it it sounds like a lot, but at the same time, it's it's really come from a passion of just wanting to help help people, help athletes, um, you know, understand how they can get better, how uh, help uh, patients who are recovering from an injury, how they can get back and and be better than they were. So, um, you know, there's there's tools that come with that, and and um, I I grew up on a farm as a kid, and if you didn't have something that would uh, help you fix a you know, a piece of machinery, you built a tool to, to make it. So I've never been afraid of just pushing it and trying to create new tools. So it's been a good fit. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work with a bunch of different professionals, um, like Brian, like yourself that, that, um, you know, have just a wealth of knowledge in relation to how the body works. And, and I've never really tried to create something that doesn't fill a need. Um, and so hopefully, um, that's, that's what we can, keep continuing to do so anyway well, that's great i mean that, and that's the impressive part i think is to to see the need first off and then to understand how to solve it i think you know being able to do both of those uh, successfully is is a rare combination so i know you know you were a, a, an athlete in college and and of course went on to graduate school in, in, in biomechanics and and I'm, I'm curious what led you toward the entrepreneurial sports science technology um, in, in your career? Yeah, I think it's really just seeing a, a, a need and, and, you know, as, as technology got better and better, I, I think really what, what started to drive um, the entrepreneurial side of creating new technology was the work I did originally with um, the U.S. ski team and, uh, and one of the binding companies, Solomon. And um, we, cre- we had to find a way to measure joint motions and forces on the, on the ski hill and not try and do it from some really crappy video. And, um, and so we pushed the envelope and made a Paul system portable and then, uh, instrumented a binding so that we could measure those forces and, and, um, collect 3d joint kinematics while someone was skiing. And, and, um, that took a lot of, um, cobbling together. You know, we literally, <laughs> It, we're, we're up on a glacier in France and one component broke and we had to find a way to fix it. And so we ended up pulling the back of a TV apart and taking some resistors out of the TV to make it work. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I realized, hey, there's a need here, you know, with uh, with making things smaller. And that was really kind of the first wearables um, that were out there. We published a few papers on on the binding forces. But, um, you know, I said, this is only going to get better. There's cell phones are getting more powerful um, smartphones were starting to emerge and, uh, you know, the technology is going to get smaller and smaller. So it's going to be easier to use and, and put on athletes in the field. And so, you know, where do we start? we got to understand how they work. So let's start building tools around that. So then that's when I realized, Hey, there's probably some opportunities here. And, and, um, you know, you, uh, you never quite get the funding that you want or need to develop everything perfectly. But, you know, if you just keep swinging and, and push the envelope, you can, you can create some good things. Oh, that's an awesome story. I can't imagine how much wire you needed to be able to hook your sensors all the way down that ski slope, though. You must have had, you know, several <laughs> kilometers of wire. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's, uh, IRB has changed and so is airport security because what I used to go through with airport, airport security with lithium batteries and <laughs> and um, wires and all into a this weird box that a skier would wear with a 40-pound backpack. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty hilarious. So we're just lucky no one... No one had any battery explosions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. right. 
<laughs> no more Samsung sevens that are on the. Exactly. Anyway, so you know, I'm I'm, I'm curious as to um, uh, you know our, our audience and our, our general topics uh, relate more toward toward running mechanics and trying to help clinicians better solve running related injuries and understand running movement. Um, you know, I think most of us are getting more comfortable with the idea of video analysis, whether it's a single 2D image for the most part, although some some clinics or groups might have access to 3D analysis. But, and, and of course, your background and your company, one of your companies, Treadmetric, specializes in, in enforced instrument and treadmills and the, and the value of those toward running analysis and understanding movement. Not that you need to stay specifically to distance running, but can you talk a little bit about the evolution of, of video and force integration and where you feel is, number one, is is the real value of that toward, toward a sports movement analysis? Um, and then number two, maybe what, what steps need still to happen uh, to make it more clinically feasible to get a lot of these data um and sorry for a long question and i mean i can re-ask the second half of it as we go but <laughs> but maybe maybe just kind of start with the video side of things and, and describe what your thoughts are with that yeah so video is a really useful tool and it's been utilized well um what i would call quality by clinicians for a long time i think the tough part with uh video is shifting to the quantitative side and um you know we've all you know, dreamed of having that markerless um, three-dimensional tracking working well. And I think, you know, there's emerging technology that, that shows that that may be possible soon. But the reality of, of quantitative versus qualitative is taking the time to put markers on, making sure that that marker set is useful, but more importantly, repeatable um, from clinician to clinician so that you can actually trust it. And and um, and so, you know, I think the best solution now is what we've tried to do. And I, I look at it as a as a like a gold, silver, bronze type of approach for a clinical offering. If you've got the time to do the gold analysis and you have the the tools and the budget, um, like a few facilities do, then you can do that gold analysis and spend an hour with the patient and put on the markers and get a full 3D analysis. But um, the reality for most clinics is more like the bronze setup, which is actually, I think, in some ways more effective because you're getting that um, quick feedback from or to the to the patient um, and or the athlete and, and able to, you know, kind of help them understand what's important about their mechanics. So to do that, you have to streamline the workflow well. And so, you know, what's typically been done with, with video over the years is, you know, let's put a camera at different views, whatever view I want, um, and then let's have to go back through that. And that process is very cumbersome. So some of the tools that have come out that, you know, um, especially for phones and whatever else, have made that a little faster. And so you can get that feedback. And so then, you know, you have to start looking at, well, how do I make this useful, standardized, and and some of those things. And so what we tried to do with, with Treadmetrics is by using the, the forces that, are, um, that you can measure on the treadmill, which is still a, you know, an expensive piece of equipment, but the benefit there is that you can, you can basically know precisely when the events happen that are, that are key events in the gait cycle. And so you can start to take a frame at foot strike, take a frame at mid stance, take a frame at toe up, 
see where everything is and then provide that feedback back to the to the patient so um and there you know and there's other ways to to tie that together but i think that's really where the um the state of the art is today getting that video um you know able to streamline that that workflow process and make it simple so you know within a few minutes you can actually give a patient a useful analysis so that that was a long answer to the to your question, but you you had you started with a long question, so I figured there you I'd go. <laughs> throw that back at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. That was that was really good. You know, I, I remember in graduate school, I don't know which which company, but one of the um, the sales reps, or maybe one of was the one of the research techs for one of the motion companies, described, oh, you know, in twenty years there's not going to be optical systems; it'll all be MR based. You know, bores. You'll just walk whole bodies through it, kind of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Total Recall or something, and <laughs> and you'll be able to quantify all this this body motion in real time with very little uh, oversight. And uh, clearly, we're we're quite a long ways from that yet. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think. I think what you describe is great, and 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 the part that I think is interesting is how how informative the forces are, whether it's you know um, like an instrument, a treadmill that you have for running directly, or in ground plates, and yet how few clinics actually incorporate forces as part of their analysis. Yet, you know, we try to infer strength of muscle based upon movement, and and really that's that's uh, it's challenging to do for movement alone. So, I mean, in many ways, the forces, we should almost be thinking about how can we integrate those better. But I think there's a little bit of a natural, not not disconnect, but um, uncertainty, I think, by a lot of clinicians when it comes to understanding forces. Uh, Jeremy, what are your, do you agree with that at all? Or what are your thoughts? Are yeah, no, I think uh, I would agree. I, I think that the utilization is, is very minimal with regards to actual forces. And, you know, my first thought as a clinician and, you know, we're trying to start my own clinic here in the next couple months, I, it's, well, how do, how do I, what's the cost? You know, I mean, I think the cost is, is a big barrier with regards to that. But it's, like you said, there's some key instances in the gait cycle that we can actually know uh, with regards to the forces and things like that. So, um, you know, and then, uh, like, I think further with your question is, okay, if I do get it in my clinic, then how do I utilize it? You know, and, and, and so once I get that all in there, that's fine. I, you know, I, I'll take the video and I'm super comfortable doing the video and everything like that. But now I, I plot that up against a, a force analysis or a graph of, of their, you know, their ground reaction force and wh where they're at with their force curve. Um, that, that definitely makes me a little more uncomfortable just because my training is very minimal with that. Um, so I, I would agree that uh, there's hesitation that e even if I did have it in my clinic, how, how often am I going to use it? Because A, I don't necessarily know if my training's full and B, does it take that much more time to get it set up so that I actually can uh, get get these key points in the gate? So, right. yeah, I would agree. That makes sense. And and really, I mean, using the forces, it's uh, it's helpful in two ways. You, you understand the, the amount of, of uh, force that the body's experiencing in a key events, which is you know obvious. But then also, is there a symmetry Mm -hmm. uh, and is that symmetry something that's a you know positive? It, how are they directing force? And I think that's where the the cost barrier has been high. Is that you know once clinicians start to use um, a 3D system, you know where you've got the frontal plane uh, forces, you can get that force vector and where that's going through the body. Uh, it becomes hard to not have that, and so it's and so it's 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 pretty easy to to make a treadmill that will 
capture those key events, the foot strike, toe off, and, and then mid stance, but, um, and to be able to tag a video with it. But, uh, but, you know, at least most of the feedback we've gotten is that, you know, the, the clinicians, folks would prefer to have that 3d force as well. And so then that, that, you know, we've tried, believe me, to make a cheaper way to do that, but it's really difficult because uh, that instrumentation becomes expensive. So, so that's been one of those things. And, and, you know, so I think maybe there's a, you know, a way to transition. There's a way to maybe bring in some inertial sensors that, that might um, help identify some of those events at a, with a lower cost um, and, uh, and possibly create a, you know, a little bit of a hybrid system there. Nice. So that actually leads me really nicely in the next question I had. You, you, you mentioned inertial sensors. And I think something that we hear a lot is, you know, how valuable is in clinic or in lab measurements of, of running or other sports movement. I mean, ideally, we want to be able to do this in, the, in a more natural environment, whether it's outdoors on trails or on roads or even, for example, soccer players, you know, being able to measure them on the pitch. So can you speak to that a little bit in terms of, of any technology that you've come across or been involved with that's, that's really designed for more of that measurement outdoors? Well, there's quite a few. I mean, you know, the catapult system, the the um, GP sport system out of Australia were some of the first to use a GPS system and then combine them with uh, inertial sensors. The Zephyr bioharness had a decent measurement system. I think the frustrating part from my point of view as a biomechanist only has been they they keep putting these in different places on the body. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And the and the the reality is when you change where you put an inertial sensor, the signals are drastically different. And so I think you you know, and then everyone else or everyone has a slightly different pattern to their gait depending on what they're doing. And so you don't necessarily know exactly what you're doing, what terrain is outside. So all that stuff sounds wonderful, but I think at least at a minimum, the future of of these wearables, so to speak, are are. Uh, is kind of a hybrid. If if I can get in the lab or get in the clinic to take a, a measurement, say, all right, well, this is what I see in a standard environment. This is what this person's signature looks like. Then I can understand what they're what they might look like out in the field. Yeah. And um, and then also I think there needs to be some agreement on where these things are. I mean, look at how Fitbit took off, and you know you can burn a lot of calories chopping your vegetables for your stir fry. So um, <laughs> you know. And now that's starting to emerge that there's, there's, you know, hey, these things aren't as accurate as we thought, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. so, you know, what do, we, what do we do with that? So so I think, you know, there's still a lot of ambiguity out there. Um, there's a few um, that have sensors on the hip mm-hmm. and, um, and they, you know, claim to make a lot of, um, you know, or measurements that are closely related power or whatever it is to running performance. Right. And I think there's some validation that's been done, but I, I would say that there's probably less than adequate um, to, to really use well. Um, and so um, it's certainly better than, than nothing, but I would say to, you know, try and identify something that's clinically relevant to help that, that athlete um, recover or prevent an injury, avoid an injury, whatever word you want to use, that, that it still needs a little more work. So um, it, frankly, it's an exciting time to be, you know, in this, in this space, because, you know, there's a lot of money going into wearables and, and I think, um, they're going to get better and better as long as, um, that approach is taken to, to kind of understand those signals and, and standardize where they are, um, so that people can make good decisions. Yeah. 
Have you, have you found that the the use of those to measure joint position or or body position is uh, is is effective, or are there are there more limitations that we need to think about? Um, that's a good question. So, the inertial sensors um, are pretty good at understanding uh, orientation relative to gravity, mm-hmm. um, and so you know placing that at the shank would make a lot of sense. Um, you know if you can derive a measure related to that from, and so not let necessarily maybe a joint position, but a, but a segmental orientation with respect mm-hmm. to grab. Grab is probably more useful. When you start to try and combine that to a joint angle, you then you need two sensors. Depends on where you put, how you zero it, all those things, and then pretty soon you're, you're going into a range of well, you know, I'm probably within five degrees or so, and then, you know, how does that help me? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things where I think, um, you still have to make sure that what you're looking at has, the the horsepower to really help, um, you know, you as a as a clinician uh, makes makes a decision. So, um, yeah. but there's you know there's a fair amount of home based rehab programs out there that that are using inertial sensors or connect, um, and you know getting some pretty decent measurements. So. You know, maybe that's a place to, you know, to start um, as well. So, you know, I think in some ways, whether it's sports science or sports performance or fitness industry in general, I think, you know, we've all come across certain technology that maybe misrepresented a little bit or or claims to do more than it really can or you know, and, and I mean, I'm not necessarily specific to what any of the stuff we've just talked about, it, but just in general, I mean, it, it, it just reminds me that just because it can be measured, number one, can it, is it measuring what it says it's measuring? And then number two, is, the, is there value in what it's measuring? And so do, do you find that there are certain dangers in using technology at times? And and just because, you know, and maybe this goes back to the education of the user and being how critical that is, as Jeremy alluded to. The, the user has to know what they're doing with this technology. Um, but what what have you have you seen where people have taken technology and just run amok with it and maybe kind of kind of gone in a direction that you kind of you step back as a as an expert and kind of scratch your head like what are you doing? Why are you even doing this? Um, yeah, I, it it happens a lot. I think really what what ends up, I mean, there's there's I can think of a ton of examples, but. But basically, I think it boils down to this is exactly what you said. If you don't quite understand what you're getting out of it, um, and it, it to me, it's more it's that. But then also, is it making is it something that helps you make a decision, a better decision about that that clinic, uh, or that athlete or patient? And then does it also streamline your workflow mm-hmm. so that you can communicate it more effectively? Because I think, you know, sometimes, you know, the the end user still may be con- confused by all these measurements and like oh yeah I went through this and it was and it was great and it's great when you explain it but then they get home two days later and they're like uh, what there's like 13 measures that I got and I don't know what two of them mean and so and then and then what happens is you get that feedback as a clinician and pretty soon you stop using that device and so now you're back to what you were good at and what you're doing and so I think that's really how you have to make that decision is you know use it. Um, try it, and if it if it does answer or help you with those two things, communicating the the, re, the results better and and helping make better decisions, then it's a useful piece of technology. And and that's where you know the technology companies are focused on 
selling the widget because that's what their business model is. Yeah. Uh, but I think the good technology companies are the ones that are focused on um, the long-term relationship and use of that. And so, you know, we've taken the approach to sell less, but make sure that the customers are using it effectively. And, you know, like the AccuPower Solutions business has been a, a an eye-opener for me because, you know, force plates during a drop jump, that's something that researchers have been doing for almost 20 years now. And um, there's still a bit of confusion as to what to do with that. But when we've made it so that the um, users are really comfortable um, using that on a daily basis with their athletes, um, and, and that becomes part of their standard protocol, then it becomes used effectively. Mm-hmm. And now it's now it's become you know a, a somewhat of a standard there. And, and uh, we've just found out we're doing the NHL Combine here for... Uh, um, you know, this coming spring now to test all those those athletes as well. So, right. Um, you know, I think I think if you take that approach, it, it helps. But yeah. Well, no, I think I think you're you're definitely right about that piece of of you know we like to think of ourselves, you know, our generation at least, as being you know quote technology savvy or at least not certainly not afraid of technology. Maybe as past generations. But I think the reality is when we start looking at integrating technology into into clinics and and our and our like you said, you've used the, the term workflow, I think there is certainly a little bit of resistance and and gun shy about sure I can measure it but how do I do it quickly and effectively I only have a certain amount of time and and how can I make this as smooth as possible There's always that that upfront time required to to embrace any new measurement or technology and. Uh, I think that that the the commitment to that process uh, sometimes we try to find shortcuts to that aren't always effective. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and you know, and I think one thing that I've seen, and maybe you guys can elaborate on this too, is you know just the simple uh, mobile device um, video analysis, like you know, like a mm-hmm. coach's eye or or um, Uber, you know, one of those that uh, that that uh, you know, Dartfish Express, some of those that that you know, that's a really low cost piece of software um if i do some things um effectively with you know standardizing how i hold the camera and blah 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 then that can be used very easily and effectively in the in the clinic and there and there's not a lot of a lot of costs associated with that but but then you want to be able to start doing more so you know hopefully mm-hmm. you know looking at, at as these wearables become more um useful uh, I think that's kind of how you, you got to look. You know, was it able to do the same things that the, the, those programs were able to do? So. Yeah. And have you found have you found the technology being able to be utilized for both assessment as well as feedback? So be able to, you know, it seems like a lot of the, a lot of the tech is is designed to to assess what's going on, but then to utilize some of the technology as part of the the patient treatment or as part of the actual uh, retraining process and use using the, uh, the sensor technology as feedback to correct some of the issues or to help refine the movements. I've come across a couple of pieces of technology that have, have kind of missed that gap and they're focused on the assessment only. And now you've left this whole other large part of of the clinician's mindset and, and potential utilization of the technology is completely absent from it. Um, do you do you find that most are trying to to walk that balance? Yeah, exactly. And I and I think the the biggest thing with regards to the training and the feedback is is finding something that um, you know can be effective in that in that uh, feedback environment. And um, 
And that's where I think some of the the technology issues are is that it just it simply takes a fair amount of time to transmit the signal wirelessly and get it to something that is a useful piece of feedback, um, whether it's on a screen, um, which is usually really slow. The audio side can be a little faster. Um, and so, you know, that's maybe why they focus more on the assessment um, than the uh, uh, than the feedback. But I've seen, you know, some devices, uh, you know, that, that you know, as it, uh, you kind of adjust as a runner to, um, you know, that, that impact, you know, if we're measuring impact, you're trying to decrease it and that sound goes down um, and, you know, the runner can respond to that and that can be a useful tool. So um, I just, you know, I, the mirror ends up being <laughs> as real time, yeah, right, as, yeah, right. as real time as it gets, you know, and, uh, and, and that, that gives you some, some nice ways to coach too. So, um, yeah. anyway. so, uh, Steve, you know, we're talking about, you know, evaluation and then treatment and, and really help to reutilize this. And so thinking about, you know, setting up a clinic where we are trying to treat runners, you talked a little bit about the gold, silver, and the bronze, um, kind of setup. you know, yeah. so if, if we have listeners here who are trying to set up their clinic, what 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 would be the the bronze approach versus the silver? You know, what's kind of the bare minimum, both for analysis and, and kind of that that initial assessment, but then also for feedback and, and treatment and intervention. Um, what do you see as is kind of the the minimum, and then how do we how would you suggest we advance to the bronze from bronze to silver to gold? Um, yeah, first of all, I guess you know is with the gold, I think you know the ROI. Um, becomes the issue because that investment still is really large with the kinematic systems. Um, they're they're coming down pretty rapidly, so so maybe that'll get better. Um, but I think if you're in a if you're in a setup where um, there isn't a value placed with the system on on having that technology, doing some research, it's tough to have an ROI on those really expensive systems. So uh, in clinic. Now that said, I you know like with the you said start with the bronze. The bronze is. Um, the way I look at it is, can you get some quick and quality feedback to that um, athlete or patient and provide a, a quantitative measure uh, quickly? And um, and so the way we've approached it is to is to use the you know the treadmill signals as a way to to um, know exactly when the person's on the treadmill when they're off. Uh, make sure that the treadmill's stiff so that you know, you don't have a confounder of, uh, you know, of a, of a treadmill that bounces because that actually changes your, your kinematics a lot and, uh, and then be able to derive those, those measures quickly. Now, do you need all of that? No, I would say as long as you have a treadmill that doesn't bounce a lot um, and you've got a camera system that allows you to get the measures out that you need to get out quickly and, and effectively communicate to the patient, that's what I would say is a bronze uh, system. So th does that help? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So what about like then for feedback um, with intervention? You know, I, I think, you know, we can do something like an airplay onto a TV or, or something that way. But is there like a, a low cost um, sound uh, device that, that, you know, just decibel, just measures decibel and you can kind of compare side to side or is anything that, that way? Um, the, I think really the... <laughs> to be honest, I think you can actually tell if you're a um, if you're a good you know a clinician that spent some time with runners, you can hear by the sound. Just listen. If you're make, yeah, if you're making an impact, and then I love a mirror for feedback because, like I said, it's real time. There's no delay, 
You can put some, you know, tape on it if you got a midline crossover. Um, you can show, you know, where the center of that uh, their their gate cycle is and have them align to that. Um, and so, really, I mean, if if you want to have a low cost, effective solution, you've got your, you know, capture your video and replay it. So if there's something specific that you want to show in slow motion, you've got that tool. The slow motion element really helps people learn. Um, to be able to see it. But if it needs to be real time as they're running and, and you're providing feedback, like you said, I think, you know, the sound and the mirror are, are probably your two best tools um, to use for, you know, making um, form adjustments and then impact adjustments based on uh, that sound. So. Great. No, that's good. I appreciate that. And then how do we advance to the, to the silver level and what advantages do we get there? Um, yeah, I think there it's it's being able to make quantitative measurements of the, you know, some some details that are that are clinically real relevant. So, you know, can you make a, a good frontal plane rear foot angle, um, you know, and and be able to pull that out at key key parts in the gait cycle, you know, and or can you measure pressure forces? Um, the you know, there's a fair number of pressure systems out there. Um, that you can use over, either overground or on the treadmill that'll tell you some some things that are useful related to the distribution. The problem with the pressure is that you're not getting the shear force. So um, you know you're and, and so your force vector is not there. Um, and so that's where you know we're we're trying to position a a, a product that uh, you know that provides that 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 quantitative measure. Um, with the forces and then synchronize the high-speed video so that you can pull out those frames, you know, at foot strike, at mid-stance, at toe-off, wherever other, you know, key events you may want. Maybe it's transition to propulsion. How much impulse are you producing? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a variety of things that you select. So so we try and set up, you know, what we call the stride lab to, and I think you may have seen that, um, to, to be able to synchronize multiple camera views with those events. And then now I can push a button and I've got those those results and and that can have an ROI if you've got a, uh, a you know at least a nucleus of of uh, patients and and you know and you can do a certain amount of volume to to achieve that you know 12 to 18 month ROI which is probably the important part of of uh, making that business decision so yeah no, that's great I appreciate that I mean it's it's good to know that with all the advances in technology and like you said the the cost will probably keep coming down as we keep getting better at this but at a minimum you know we can have a good camera with a stiff treadmill and a and a mirror and, and and we can we can at least get started to have some some impact on our running uh patients yeah exactly and and one of the things that we're working on is um is a way to just use no instrumentation and get those key events um and because you can actually measure that from the treadmill motor because um, you know when the person's on. And so that's something that, uh, you know, we hope in the mid part of next year that we'll have available so that so that you can actually plug in a decent treadmill and, uh, and a camera system and be able to get those events. So I think that's uh, something that we're awesome. We're for, so. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. That's awesome. No, no kidding. So, Steve, I know some of your more recent work, you've kind of you've gone into, into vision uh, retraining or, or visual training, I should say. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. I know most of the community, the clinical community, it's probably very little understanding of that with respect of certain patient populations. But in terms of like the sports performance world and 
even distance runners. I mean, does visual training, um, maybe it's a little bit of a, of a, of a stretch, but I'm sure there's still applications to it, but could you describe some of the, the visual training work that you're doing now? Yeah, we're, I'm super excited about it. So I, you know, I, as you guys know, spent the majority of my career in, in, uh, sports medicine, sports performance and, and designing equipment and, and things that, that test, um, you know, how people are performing, but also training the neuromuscular side. And, and what's intrigued me about the sensory side is that uh, basically you're able to manipulate um, the system further up the chain. And so the, the, the potential impact that you have on any sort of training, neuromuscular especially, by um, you know, getting into that visual processing mechanism actually has a profound effect on the neuromuscular system. And so what it is is it's basically a, a stroboscopic device. So you, you um, take away information. And what happens is it, it forces the brain to process what you do see more effectively. And so um, that really uh, amps up. It's like you're seeing in HD and, and things slow down. So you track objects better. Um, you react quicker. Your peripheral vision gets better. So any thing related to athleticism, you can improve uh, dramatically. On the rehab side, balance is cl- closely coupled to vision. And so when you um, remove visual information, the same thing happens with that vestibular ocular um, system. And so you start to um, amp up your kinesthetic um, systems to, to um, you know, perceive better at how you're balancing. So, so we've had folks use them in lower extremity rehab and, and, uh, and the like. And in relation to running performance, um, coaches like Alberto Salazar, uh, Jim Walker, a few of those have, have said, hey, you know, even with my elite athletes, when I put these, uh, these, these, this piece of eyewear on that, that strobes, now I can um, get my athletes to uh, execute their form better. They're a little more in tune kinesthetically with what they need to do to maintain um, their, their um, mechanics under duress. And so that's, that's kind of where that's, that's gone. So we're, we're super excited about this device. The other thing that we will do in future versions is actually measure um, the, uh, uh, the impact at the head. And, mm. uh, um, and Brian, as you know, that's probably a good spot to do that because the signal looks very much like a ground reaction force. And so, um, cause we're all, what we're trying to do when we run is keep our head stable. And so if there are differences in kinematics, we can probably pick that up and it has a benefit of having a, a wearable that, that, you know, is easy to, to wear, so to speak. So, um, yeah, so right. we're, we're excited about, you know, we're, where this can go down the road, and and um, and so that's that's been the primary focus of, of late. So, oh, that's great. So related to your besides the newest project, are there any other future directions when you look at the landscape of of sports science technology, sports performance technology? Are there any key gaps that you see, or any directions that you're, you know, think that in five or ten years you see happening? Yeah, I, I really do think that. Um, most of the, the majority of the motion capture companies that are investing in their product lines um, are going to achieve a useful uh, markerless tracking system. Hmm. Um, the Connect has helped push that along. It may be that there's a hybrid where you're wearing a, a small inertial sensor and, a, um, and having those video systems. But I really do. I, I mean, you know, we said this, <laughs> like you pointed out at the beginning of the podcast, we thought, you know, we'd see the Arnold Schwarzenegger type thing. But I do 
I do really think that in within five years we'll see a a low cost, useful markerless tracking system for a clinician um, that can add to kind of fill the gap on what I described with the stride lab. So, you know, with the treadmill, we can provide the forces or we can provide those key events. And now wouldn't it be great to have, you know, what's my rear foot angle? What's my shank angle? What's my, you know, all the things that we want to know as clinicians and not have to worry about where my markers were. Did they slide? What was, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and then also have it be at a, at a price point that a clinician can afford. So, so I think the future is really bright for, um, clinical assessment. Um, mm-hmm. and doing, doing an actual, um, 3d, the, the rotation angles, I don't know if we'll ever get there with markerless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the frontal plane and the sagittal plane, absolutely. And, uh, nice. and that, that, that's going to help a clinician. So cool. Well, that's great. I'm excited for that to happen. That certainly would make our life a bit easier to have that technology at a nice price point. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I guess one one last question, and really more for our, our listeners as much as anything. But kind of what, what's the, what would you say is your is your key takeaway message that you could leave for the listeners with regard to the use of of technology for for athletes in general, but maybe primarily more for for the running populations that they work with. Yeah, um, I think really that yeah, there's some very useful tools out there from the the video the video feedback side that that are not expensive that that can be used so so find something that works that doesn't disrupt your workflow and you know fills those check boxes that i mentioned earlier you know get that mm-hmm. feedback quickly get something useful out of it and and embrace it because it's only going to get cheaper and better um you know like gopro think about the first gopro mm-hmm. camera versus what there is now i mean you're getting a a beautiful image at 500 frames per second out of some of those new GoPro cameras and, um, and they aren't that expensive. So if there's a good way to use it, that might be a good tool. Um, and, and so I, you know, I think continue to embrace it, but also be wary of just buying something that's going to sit on the shelf in two months. Mm -hmm. So make sure that, you know, either it's so low cost that it doesn't matter if that happens or, you know, challenge those companies to say, hey, I want to see a use case or I want to use it myself so that I know that those questions are answered. Otherwise, you're going to be frustrated with that technology. So oh, that's great advice for sure. Well, th- that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank our guest, Steve Swanson, for joining us today and sharing his expertise. On behalf of my co-host, Jeremy Stoker, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And as a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, we'd like to announce next year's Mountainland Running Summit will be held September 22nd and 23rd at the Park City Marriott in Park City, Utah. Finally, you can find more information on all of the running medicine resources offered by Mountainland at mlrehab.com run. We'll see you next time. And again, thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Exercises that are safe and appropriate for some people may not be for you. No exercise program should be undertaken without first consulting your physical therapist or physician. The contents of this podcast is protected under United States copyright laws and may not be reproduced, distributed, transmitted, displayed, published, or broadcast without the prior written permission of Mountainland Rehabilitation. Visit www dot mlrehab.com
for more information.